0: Says, Nick and I have been blessed to have generations of faith behind us. I wonder how much of what is happening now is from their walk in faithfulness. In a walk in God's faithfulness. With two generations pouring into my life, I gave my life to Jesus in the first grade, and he gave me a real hunger for the word. And as I got older, my time with him turned into reading the word and then writing prayers. He told me to go back through those journals during this fast. And in fact, he was telling me so many things about journaling at the time that I found myself asking people that I knew were writers if they would want to talk sometime about writing. I remember going to Caitlin. (laughs) Connie pointed out the other day that there are a lot of people journaling right now. And I'm thinking, oh, okay." (laughs) I'm hearing that. Um, All of that was something to do with what I'm going to share. I collected all the prayer journals I still have and put them in order. And when I picked up and read the first one, my newlywed prayers were obviously him guiding me, guiding my scripture-inspired mind, and they blew me away. All this stuff about his love and being grounded in it as a foundation for a home and the children we might give, he might give us, that they would be used for his glory. And I sat there and thought while well, I'm reading this, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I was praying that, and look how it's come to fruition. And all I remember of that season really is um, that he had been clearly directing me to finish my college studies and become a speech-language pathologist, helping others to communicate. I shouldn't have gotten a competitive graduate award that paid tuition and gave me a stipend to study rather than have a side job. It was totally him. My parents didn't go to college. Getting the grades I needed to get into the program wasn't easy for me, but he saw me through it all in a way that I was certain it was his will. So, and I just tell you these things because it, as the little yes lords got harder to step into, it was very confusing as to me, to me, to why I had to, why he had me go that route into speech pathology. In that season, I was amazed by what I was learn, learning about how we think and learn, how we can diagnose strengths and weaknesses and help them build upon them and heal. I graduated and loved my job. I had ambitions to maybe run a rehab department at a hospital or teach at the college level to inspire others in this amazing field. So I looked back at those journals, and reading my prayers from that season revealed to me something new about prayer and his loving kindness. Those journal entries and this story is about his grace and mercy, my heart being in tune to his and him giving me the desires of my heart. There I was, career woman, wife, yes, in that order. My heart was called home the day Taylor was born. Actually, the minute I knew she existed and suddenly career was overshadowed. We needed my income, so God helped me start a business contracting my speech-language therapy services part-time through the Birth to Three program, and that's when I started using developmental strategies through play, reading, life, and and excelled in the parent coaching role. I can say that because I know that it was just Jesus loving these parents through me, and it was wonderful to equip parents. I saw progress with my clients when the parents were on board. They could use the strategies off and on in daily life, and it worked for their kids. I should not have been so shocked. The Bible clearly teaches this parenting tip regarding his commandments in Deuteronomy 11.18. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on. Be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. I was using all these dev- developmental strategies at home with my own Taylor, then Trey, then Elise. It was a life of learning without me realizing. He was creating wonder and imagination in the children by reading a ton of good quality books, playing simple, noiseless toys so that they could do the talking, cooking together, cleaning together, singing, limited screen time to almost nil, being outside a lot. We moved somewhere during this time, two hours from family and two hours from everyone we knew. We had always been two hours from family, so it was just a different direction in Illinois. It took a while to find the church he was calling us to. It usually did because we wanted to be certain we were where he wanted us to be. And I really think that, like, this is a picture of what he wants us all to do. Like, you're going to come to a place where you feel like, I don't have anything to say, and I can't do this, and... um. that's hard, and I might have to read my paper, and it's going to sound scripted, but that's what he's calling the whole church to do, is to think about where you've been, and what your story is, and what you have to offer, and then letting him refine it, even if it means not sleeping for two weeks, and then bringing it and offering it to him, no matter whether it's going to be accepted, or whatever. He's going to use it, and So I think the gist of what I was trying to say in the sins that needed edited was that when we were always looking for churches, it took a while because we didn't know to be listening to the Holy Spirit at that point in our lives. We hadn't matured our spiritual listening skills. (sighs) And as soon as we got plugged into that church, Pastor Phil had us all stay home from extra classes, just doing Sunday worship. He wanted us to worship at home. There was accountability and teaching as we walked into this, but it was disappointing at first. And then we started talking about spiritual things at home. We gained a new perspective of our roles as parents. It's not the church's responsibility to teach our children. It's ours. We started worshiping at home. There was a young adult that came to eat with us every Tuesday. I guess I've always been feeding people. (laughs) And hang out till bedtime. And she worshipped with us so much that when she moved away, she made us this little songbook of all our little worship songs. Good stuff. When Elise was one, we moved to Morgantown, West Virginia, hours away from family. Family that had been driving two-plus hours to babysit once a week. My mom and Nick's dad alternated. We moved away from support. And this was hard but it made us a lot closer to each other. And we see now that the Lord used it to help us step away from our family's guidance and seek his more. This was probably when he started ordering my relationships, him, Nick, the kids. I started my business in this new state and did it well with it, juggling work around Nick's schedule and a one-day church daycare program. Taylor was in kindergarten, but Trey, Elise, and I had time to do the gentle learning things that I'd talked about before. As we met new people, it seemed like there were homeschoolers everywhere. I think we might have even started trying to avoid them. God led us to the church we were supposed to attend, If you want to hear that story, sometimes it's pretty crazy. It involves my driving terribly. And then we realized the homeschool movement was making a wave through our new church. Pastor Tony, the family children's pastor, had a class for all of us parents going on Sunday morning. And I remember him clearly saying, no matter what you decide to do with your child's education, whether public, private, or home, it's your responsibility. This was a new perspective for me, a new vision for us. He also said, this is Pastor Tony. Now I know that I have to clarify that because I've been hearing God so clearly. It wasn't he God, it was (laughs) Pastor Tony, which I mean he was directing him. So if you decide to homeschool, don't let it become a religion, wisdom. That is a real struggle and maybe that's a struggle with anything that you step into that's not the norm but since this is where i've been i can say to continue on in the day-to-day work it takes from like takes being firm and strong in your conviction that has made the balance difficult at times balancing steadfastness and humility maybe that struggle is what has made me think i shouldn't talk about this but really I know from letting the Holy Spirit have free reign in my life during this time we've been with you at ALF, it was him guiding, him doing, and all my baggage comes off from feeling him guide, seeing it come together, but not being comfortable with him giving him the credit. In the world of cessationism, you get funny when funny looks like who do you think you are looks when you talk about the Lord told me to What happens when you don't give him the credit? It looks like you are doing it. It is prideful. And when your heart so loves Jesus and wants nothing to do with pride, you just be quiet. So with my mouth shut and eyes cloudy to the spiritual reality all around me and blessings all around me from the fruit of what he's doing, it looks and feels like I've got it all together, and we can't talk about that. Can you see the cycle? Well, this is me giving him all the credit with amazing brothers and sisters who know that he works that way. The summer between Taylor's kindergarten and first grade, I taught VBS at our new church, middle school. It's not my cup of tea. Give me the toddlers. Anyway... I notice a difference between the attention and politeness of the homeschoolers versus the public schoolers. The kids caught my attention. Then we had all kinds of prompts from the Lord. But I or we had arguments and actually I need to say I because I didn't talk to Nick about this for a long time. And that's when I tend that's what I tend to do when it's the Lord's asking me to do something. I can't share it with Nick until I'm certain or have to because I'm afraid he won't agree, and then where will we be? Taylor starts first grade. She's excited, and then she's not the teacher. And let me just say here, teachers are amazing. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law were teachers, and I think teachers are selfless people. Her teacher had to spend so much time with behavior of some that all the things Taylor looked forward to were never happening. And in the meantime, scary things happen on the bus, so I started picking her up. In the pickup line, I see her being the bossy, mean girl on the playground. I ask her about her day, and she doesn't want to talk about it. Her attitude about learning changes. I ask her teacher for advice. She starts taking the time to give me things to do at home to challenge her since they can't get to them at school. I mean, the teacher really did that. But what first grader wants to work at home after they've been at school all day? And then I realize, what are we sending her for? The learning is at home after school, so I guess we're sending her for the social part. And wait a minute, no one is showing her not to be the mean girl. The social piece is kind of bad, too. And plus, we are running and separate so much that there isn't the time for family worship and reading truth. And when we do, her attitude is different. So here's the crazy thought process prayer that I pulled out of my journal. I mean, all my other stuff was normal, but this was when I was, you know, like in a nice tidy journal, but then I found this piece of paper and this is probably where I was processing. Lord, help my unbelief. I guess I said this all along. <sighs> Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world, James 1.27. Lord, please shed light on my favoritism and prejudices. Help me to love every neighbor Oh, I'm sorry, I was praying about some girls from church that I was ministering to for that one. We don't need to read that. Jesus, please shed light on your plan for the education of our children. Help me to organize those thoughts so that we can know confidently that we are doing your will in that area. May I not look at homeschool because it seems like the holy parenting thing to do. I don't have to break up the date with driving Taylor to school. It keeps the kids away from unbelievers. Lord, this is a season, in our lives is so short. I want the kids to love you with all their heart, mind, and soul. Love others more than themselves. Live with fruits of the Spirit, full and ripe, in their every moment and relationships. Trust you and have complete faith in your provision. I sorted through some things here. I was telling God, we are not the best and only examples And he said, we know how to discern those godly examples and could help them flourish. And then I'd say, but they need baby steps of making choices, wise ones, before they are big ones to make. He said, I have that taken care of. And I'd say, public schools offer athletics, music, language activities. And he said they can do those most likely and then I realized that in West Virginia that where we were at that they couldn't you can't go into the schools and do anything and um, I realized I think I was sharing this with Emma and Chelsea and Beth at our house and it was like I realized that it was really hard for Nick and I to let go of some of the things that we enjoyed about school like sports and drama and getting dresses for prom and stuff and I realized that like we struggled to give that away, but he gave it back to us. Like Our kids could care less. Well, I shouldn't care less. Like Trey's really loving football and baseball at the high school, but we've moved to Ohio, and you can do those things here. So Trey's doing the athletics. Our kids are going to do athletics in the schools. And Trent asked Taylor to homecoming, and I got to take her crush shopping. And now we're involved in a co-op that has a drama club. And I know that sounds so silly, but that's how he is. Like, you give him things. And I said, we can teach them this at home, even though they're at school all day. Like about, I think it was about the, the truth of God's word. And, and he says, but you can teach them that academics and God are not separate. And then I'd say, well, I can work with the teacher and communicate with the school and possibly a gifted program. And he said, we teach them with their learning style and their pace and their interests. And then I must have wrote over here, I waver day to day, family calls, and I get different perspective. I do not want to consider homeschooling for selfish reasons. I don't want to dismiss it out of laziness and a lack of boldness. New friends and sisters do not regret it, and they make it work. I see disrespect and not the best choice-making in my children. Would more home time and training help or hinder? We are not always the best examples. Do I need to continue with Mountain View? That was her school. And just get more organized so that we can manage those character builders into our routines. All of the time in the world won't matter if I just waste it. I have a prayer, O oh, Lord, you direct my heart. I am full of joy, but a bit going to have to rely on you because this idea is so big. Help my unbelief. Did you bring us here for this? Is my heart in tune with you? Help. I have the instruction of the Lord is perfect, Psalm 19.7. Psalm 24.4, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not set his mind on what is false, who has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord. This is probably when I approached Nick about the idea of homeschooling. He didn't say a lot, if I remember correctly, and we both sought counsel. I remember calling people, mainly teachers and mentors from the different churches we had been part of, we met with a couple from church that had made the homeschooled choice and could handle the hard questions.
1: Leave it to me for the rough stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we were, you know, she obviously brought it to me, and, um, you know, I, I'm a public school guy that uh, my parents were both teachers, and I grew up in school. My dad was a football coach and athletic director, so I spent all my time there. So we went to this couple's house, and truthfully, like, not athletic people, like uh, why we were there, I have no idea. Um, But we sat down at their kitchen table, and um, they were working us through the pros and cons, and have you written down what's good and bad?
0: So we figured it's what your family is all about, only amplified, because (laughs) you're pouring into them, and that's kind of scary. But Nick came home from work one day pretty confident. We were supposed to pull Taylor out, he had a co-worker that he rode with a lot and worked close with. He loves Jesus and had seen and had his own teen and young adult kids that had hard things that they were walking through not so well. And when Nick hesitantly asked him that his thoughts were on homeschooling, he confidently said that if your wife is willing and able, then definitely go that route. So we called Nick's teacher parents, as nervous as can be. And Nick can tell you their response because I made him call. <laughs>
1: So, give you a little background, my parents, um, my mom, you know, gave up teaching for a little while uh, while us boys grew up. I've got two other brothers. Um, But school is our life. Like, going to the school, like, I spent all my time in the gym at the football field in my dad's office, like, he was a coach, he was an athlete, like, we were there all the time. Um, My dad was, like, the president of the teachers' union, like, for that school district, and and he's a strict German guy so you can imagine um, and a football coach so a little bit passionate too Um, but like I grew up like they were teachers they poured into kids I saw them pour into kids I saw them what they cared about and whatever I knew it'd kill them that I was choosing to take my kids out of that um, or we were choosing Um, but we talked to them and My dad just came. He's like, we know that you love your kids and everything you're going to do, everything is going to be because you love them and you're doing the right things for them. So if that's what you've decided that you need to do, you need to do it. (laughs) This is like, a career teacher like this is what he's poured his life into and he's just like yeah like you need to do it so at that point i'm in
0: <laughs> we took the plunge Oops. i enjoyed researching homeschool methods and even if, even if you know you want christian-based education there are traditional classical charlotte mason unschooling among other methods to sort through Then with all those methods, there are curriculum choices, the actual books and lesson plans, and this is where Nick checked out and gave me the reins, which I'm thankful he trusted me, and the Lord saw me through this. He definitely did, but I will say that working part-time and taking complete responsibility of the kids' school has been a lot, at times too much. I have two dear friends and a cousin that juggle medical professions, part-time and full-time with flexible hours by partnering with their husbands, It has been adjustment, and they have to be organized, but they manage it well and with joy. But that's not Nick and I's story. The Lord made it very clear to me that he wanted me to let go of my career. I held on to that identity for a long time. But like he always does, he walked me through the transition with grace and mercy. I learned how vital a role the wife and mother are how doing seemingly mundane tasks are very helpful and minister to our families. I learned how a nourishing, peaceful home base is for everyone. He gave me a joy in cooking and feeding people. (laughs) He showed me how healthy eating and meals around the table nourish our bodies and souls. In my crying out to him during the messy learning phase of this, he gently told me, this will be more than it seems. He transformed my striving to be both successful businesswoman and godly mom-wife into a heart completely home and at rest in the identity he had for me. We had to make changes and let go of some things. Cable, cars, eating out, vacations, family pictures, hair coloring, new clothes, etc., And I still worked a little, enough to help with the bills for a growing family and pay for my licensure and continuing education. It was rough at times, especially when medical bills came. Fear tried to creep in. Fear. That word will get me back to the natural progression of this journey. Somewhere during the planning period, Jesus gave me a vision for something amazing with the kids. This is usually the one thing I say confidently to parents when they mention homeschooling to me. Don't homeschool out of fear, fear of worldly influences, fear of government control, COVID, or bomb threats. While God will use that fear for good when you give it to him, let go of it. Fear is not from him, and there is something much greater in this calling. There is a vision of loving to learn, unwrapping the gift of each child, building on the knowledge of who he is as our children grow, and taking captive their minds and ours actually for what is lovely and true for his glory. Early in the planning period, the Lord specifically told me to use the Charlotte Mason method. At that time, this method made sense to me. I had been trained to understand, diagnose, and rehabilitate thinking, learning, and cognitive use from birth to death, developmental delays, disorders, stroke, and brain injury, etc. and this method made sense. I realize now it's because it's based on time-tested basic principles of learning and the knowledge of God's making us in his image. Charlotte Mason would not have liked that her name is attached to this growing educational method. She believed that the name something, to name something after someone limited its use. So from here on out, I'm going to call it the gentle art of learning. This gentle art of learning made sense to me mainly because of its techniques. For example, narration, which is reading or listening to reading and then putting it into your own words, either by telling it back or out loud or in writing. This solidifies the learning by using your left side of your brain to take the info in and then transferring it to the right side of your brain as you tell it back. And then you own or retain that information. Maybe you've seen this in action when you've taught someone something and realize how well you know the info after you've put it in your own words. I see now that my writing prayers after reading the Bible when I was younger and through life has done this with his holy word. This method is all about good books that she calls living books because they come from their original source or a passionate, learned author. They are not regurgitated textbooks that leave little inspiration and just share what the textbook thinks you should know about the subject. This method is about being outside in creation and learning to look and notice. It prioritizes instilling habits, habits such as the habit of attention to the task at hand, It teaches us to be humble learners and realize that everyone we run into has something to offer. Think storehouse. It teaches us to listen to others and interact in love to the people put in our path, regardless of age. I loved the multi-generational piece of it. He recently showed us how living as a family, ready to connect with others in life, was used by him. And I just put Sam's story. Do you think I can wing this without losing it? (laughs) Um, Sam, Sam's family coached Trey's baseball team, and like we... I mean, we were the weird homeschool family. We really are. I'm sorry. (laughs) So we would just troop. And at that time, I think we had five kids, and I was pregnant with, or six. So you can picture this, like ducks in a row, because they were younger than they are now, and me, big and awkward. And we're all going to the baseball field, and we do things as a family. And, um, you know, we're ready to just be with people and see how we can connect with them. And um, Harry coaches Trey's baseball team, and Sam is um, his wife sitting next to him, and um, we start connecting, and Sam shows Taylor how to keep score, and so Taylor's in the dugout keeping score for Trey's baseball team, which you can imagine that, like (laughs) a little older girl and with a dugout of boys that are just two years younger, like that was probably really silly on our part, (laughs) looking back at it, but, um, and then just doing life with them, and they saw Jesus in us. And so when Harry got cancer, then Sam came running to me. I mean, we really didn't talk about Jesus at the ball field. We connected, and they I mean, we were open about that. And so then when Harry got cancer, Sam came running, and we got to really share about Jesus with her at that point. And she ran to Jesus, and... We moved away, so I guess we really didn't know exactly how much she ran to Jesus. But Nick got a phone call before the faster, in the faster, something from Harry that said, I know Sam loved you guys. <laughs> and we just lost her. And I don't know what he's say. I guess we don't have to go there. But now I think he's chasing Jesus now. Back to the gentle art of learning. There are wonderful principles that guide the use of this method, but because I had to jump into this, I focused on the methods without my having an understanding of the good stuff behind them all, and we were off. And just like that we were stopped. As always, God puts people in our life when you need them. A soon-to-be, dear, dear mentor mom painfully spoke truth into my young mom heart. She gave this whole sweet little talk about tending the garden you are given to a group of people, but it spoke to me, basically to teach me how to parent. It was about getting to the heart of the matter with the kids, with his loving kindness, which is also firm— I really didn't know how to be the parent. Our society doesn't not exactly show us how to do much more than idolize them. And so I took some time off from lessons and worked on setting clear expectations and following through on the natural consequence of disobedience. I learned how to show them and teach them good behavior in play and daily activities. Remember me saying I knew how to do that with learning. Well, it's like my brain never thought about what behavior needed to look like for a child, and that I could actually teach them that way. This getting to the heart of the matter, I'll call it, is something we always cycle back to. It's a never-ending role. And then we were off again. At the... All the while, we were doing our best to implement the gentle art of learning. I didn't have the backbone of the principles, but I knew without a doubt God wanted me to move forward unwavering. This might sound extreme, but let me tell you, there is this whole homeschool culture out there that is a blessing and a burden. You can get so busy with good activities that there aren't, that you aren't home to school. I've watched friends change curriculum over and over because everything looks so good. It's marketed well, and it's beautiful. There are fads that come and go and are distracting. This road of sticking with the gentle art of learning has been lonely, really. But God, at the right time, of course, he moved us into the Cincinnati area, which was just over nearly three years ago. And there I finally found some support. It came in the form of a been-there-done-that mom who was teaching the principles. I learned that it's not about the books, etc., and giving the methods and even doing the methods to an extent as much as it is about the principles behind everything. Oh, I learned so much under her teaching and then COVID happened and we couldn't meet and then we moved away again. <laughs> We're not moving anymore. <laughs> God said that. <laughs> He's starting a big old thing anyway. I kept reading and trying to understand the principles on my own. They are good and true. The first one is that children are born persons, meaning they are born able to learn naturally and don't need us to teach them how. They don't need a merit system to coax them into it. They simply need a healthy atmosphere and a broad feast of information to delight their minds. Then again, in God's perfect timing, I'm at Alf learning about the role of the Holy Spirit, the truth of his gifts, and the spiritual realm. When I get to principle number six or number nine, we hold that the child's mind is no mere sack to hold ideas, but it is rather if the figure may be allowed a spiritual organism with an appetite for all knowledge. Charlotte Mason wrote six large volumes on her ideas of education, and they are all in old language. But when she explains this principle in more depth, she talks about the Holy Spirit being our teacher. Fireworks went off in my soul when he was going, putting all this together for me. This is why he had been so firm in my convictions. He had led me in my ignorance into a lifestyle of living out the truth of Jesus' words in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He revealed to me in that moment how all the pieces fit together, him directing our steps with a certain method, the career route he took me on, the mental health episode I experienced, walking through the scary healing of that while using this gentle art of learning. Coming home to Alf, At the same time, I realize the method we've been using has been based on solid principles true to our design. In that moment, he said, you need to use these principles to take back the minds of my children. Satan has a plan to numb the minds of this generation. He is scheming to drown them in fear and anxiety. But God is saying, Minds that are feasting on me and this table before them are minds that don't need digital stimulation Those minds don't need someone to do the thinking for them. They are noticing me They know what to think for themselves They know the truth and they are healthy enough to stand firm in it So while God's been putting this all together for me That it's not just a schooling method that it's a lifestyle of feasting on the good and beautiful to hear from him. He's been doing things, too, wild things. There was a young man who had a week off of work, and I teasingly asked him if he wanted to come to school with us. He said, sure. Sure. And so he spent his week off work, I don't know, a couple of times doing school with us, school with us. I gave him a feast. My first I asked him what he was into and kind of listened to him and gave him stuff to do and showed him the methods that we do at school or with my kids and had to walk him through it just a little bit and then he took all the books home and he's been doing it on his own ever since. And then we move into the fast, and God tells me to start going through my journals and put this together for when it's time. I don't exactly know what it was, and I thought I was just dreaming big dreams. And then Mark and Sherry had words for it at the remnant. And we haven't had time to sort all that out, but it really spoke to us and confirmed some things. And then Holly. Do you, want me to start? Do you want me to start? I can. You know, um, Holly spoke at the belonging and shared that she was going through rough times, but I didn't know you very well. like. You had come over and played cards, and we had a good old time while Taylor and Grady sewed dresses, but or dress and costumes. And Grady Grady did not sew. He did not sew a dress. I'm sorry. See, I told you I'm too tired to wing it, and so, but um, I'll try to do this like I remember. I'll try to go back there. But um, I was just sitting in my quiet time, and I hear Holly, and I'm like, Yeah, I do. I need to pray for Holly, and so I'm starting to pray for Holly, and he stops me and he says, Give her a feast. And I'm like, what? Like, she knows what to do? Like, she's got this Holy Spirit stuff figured out. (laughs) This is too natural. This is like, this is silly. Like, she doesn't need a feast. Like, she's warring. People are warring. Like, that's crazy. I am not going to call, like, okay. And so I go back to my quiet time or whatever. And I'm reading this, um, Consumed, this devotion by Dean Briggs and somebody else because we're doing the 40-day fast and, um, I go to the day that I'm on, and I'm reading it, and it gets to the bottom. I wish I had it with us, but it said something about getting your feet up and going to the feast. And I was like, okay, that resonates with me. I'm going through what I went through and it said what you said that we would use this for, but okay. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. And then I'm looking at the clock, and it's like seven or something. And the kids, it's Monday morning. I mean, you just spoke on Sunday, and it's Monday morning. And I'm like, it really matters, like us getting off to a good start with school, Lord. Like this is, this is just me, like I'm whatever. And then I get a text from Connie, and I don't have it handy, but um, it was like, can we stand together and pray for Holly? The Lord really wants her to renew her mind. And so I text Holly and said, can I come hang out for a little while? And she's like, sure. (laughs) And so I get this big bag, and I grab this pretty journal that I had waiting around, and then I grab this bullet journal, and I grab books, and I ask Taylor, like, can you think of anything? I'm going to go see Holly. And we put together this feast, and then I walk into Holly's house with this big bag, and I I don't get it out, and I'm like, I've got to just dive into this, or I'm going to lose the... um, I guess, to do it, and um, then you said that you wondered if Dave called me. Yeah,
2: yeah, I um. Oh. Turn it on. Turn it on. Turn it on. Thanks, Jake. So yeah, um, the the way this all happened is so wild. I mean, just so wild. I mean, I had been, I've had kind of battles with anxiety for a long time, for years and years. And, um, you know, the the fast was coming up, and one of the things that I had written down in in of my list of prayers for the fast was I really wanted a breakthrough um, with the anxiety and a healing. But I think in my head I had thought that that would come in the way of, like, an instant healing, that I would just not have to ever go through it anymore, that I would not have to ever you know, battle it anymore, and that it would just be taken from me. And so that wasn't really happening. <laughs> and then on top of that, I got COVID, which um, did not help my anxiety. In fact, it made it magnified severely. And so I got through the COVID and everything and um, decided to take a week off work and just kind of regroup before I went back to work. And um, that's the Monday that Randy called me. And I was actually terrified to be by myself that day, (laughs) which is crazy. So Dave went to work. The kids went back to work. I was by myself, and I wasn't working. And I was, like, starting to freak out already. And it was, like, 7.30, and she's like, hey, can I come over? And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes, you can. Come on. Like, come on over. So she came over and started explaining um this and i was like oh okay okay and it kind of like it resonated with me i'm not going to lie i wasn't like fully understanding it yet but i was in that place where i was like yes yes this is a yes we're going to do this i'm on board and yes and so as i started walking through um what god had prepared I just keep, like as I was thinking about this today, I keep describing it in my brain as an awakening because I felt like through the anxiety, which is a very self-focused thing, I lost sight of so many of the things that God wants us to um, enjoy that God wants us to take part in, that God wants us to be about, that God wants us to learn about, that God wants us to see. Um, And so it was almost like this just kind of like awakening kept happening. Like books that she gave me to read, I started reading and I was like, oh my gosh, the imagery in this is beautiful. The, The way this was written is beautiful. And the, you know, like just all of these things that happened through taking part of this, Feast. It's like it's like you know, the Lord says He will set a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and there's all of these things in in and about the world that we are to be feasting, feasting, on, feasting and on hearing and he, and he reveals things. He right? does. And so as I'm going through this, you know, you've said that your fear was, Oh, it's not a spiritual thing, but as I would read passages from these books, I would Journal about it, you know, put that thought process. Yeah, I bossed her around about
0: how to read the books and what to do. She (laughs) did.
2: She did. And I would start journaling about it or jotting down an idea. And before I knew it, it was a prayer or, or God was downloading something in me and I was writing a word that he gave me. Or, I mean, to think that it's not spiritual is just not accurate because it's, um, It is, and it's truly taking the beauty of his creation and everything that he's made and just receiving it all and then, as it's going to be, pouring it back out. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want this just for me. I mean, I want this for other people, too. Like, I know that there is a generation of people that are growing up with this fear and this anxiety and this focus on these little electronic devices and they're missing out on so much they're missing out on the beauty of his creation they're missing out on the beauty of what he has um made for us to enjoy and be a part of so um
0: would you say even like clouded to not be able to hear from him
2: um at times I mean at times you know and that's kind of where it opens you up just because sometimes you know with an anxious mind, you will, um, you will kind of purposefully close stuff off and you'll kind of like, um, it's almost like a numbing thing. You do certain things just so you don't have to think or you don't have to process because that's when the anxiety comes in. And this kind of opens, opens you up to be hearing and listening and just open to his, his beauty again. It really is. And there's so much more to it that I want to share with you one day, but that's not for tonight. A future but,
0: podcast. <laughs> but if
2: you could, if you could even know the amount of confirmations and the amount of healings and the amount of things that have taken place already as kind of offshoots of this, it's, um, it, yeah. I
0: can't wait to hear
2: about them. We'll go there. We'll go there someday.
0: Can we schedule a, a podcast with the storehouse? <laughs> Thank you, Holly. And that's not it. I can't even keep it all straight. But then the lies start coming in. I doubted. Coming out of the fast, he started clarifying some of my concerns about the foundation of Jesus and his holy word as the only spiritual truth. I mean, that's just, I got hung up on that. This is crazy. He's the only thing we need. And he is. He is. I was having hang-ups about this being too flesh-based knowledge of man stuff. Earlier in the year, he showed me this beautiful picture of us taking our idols of earthy th- earthly things, interests, jobs, work, family, and giving them to him. Storehouse, I guess. Doing them in our thankfulness for him. He showed me how he then turns all these things into icons rather than idols, an icon or a remembrance of him and his faithfulness, his love. He's also been speaking to me about worship and the healing growth in that. And then you can insert Bet's story about being in worship with Maddie and leading into her and saying, Maddie, do you see that? She was seeing vegetables falling from above during worship. At the same time that I was sitting there questioning the feast that includes more good and lovely things than just the Bible. He used that to let me see that if all our idols are made icons of him, then they are worship. And just like Bette saw food, the substance of what we need to survive and thrive, coming down during worship, he gives us what we need for healing and growth in everything we are doing. He wants everything in our lives to be Feasting on Jesus. Seeing his glory in it all. With this revelation, I quit doubting and decided I'd wait on him in confidence. Well, I had yet another person ask me about sharing our heart about homeschooling, so I just stepped into that And then Nick asked if I had anything prepared and the answer was no. So I started preparing and then it turned into all this. Fasting is dangerous or crazy or something. (laughs) I see us all doing an about face, like Shane said offensive strategies to take back our minds like adults we're not talking about just the kids here to strengthen our minds the minds of our children the minds struggling with mental health the prodigals that are coming back the elderly I see us teaching the masses how to chew on and digest the word of God for themselves, how to notice and attend to his revelations. I see multigenerational learning as we have a platform for the older generation to pour into the younger generation. I see us ministering to broken and addicted teens. I see us equipping parents regardless of their educational choice. I see us supporting those who choose homeschooling, maybe with a co school for working parents. I see us supporting unique learners. I see us being a home base for outreach in the healing that is God's plan for his people. This is engaged, the storehouse engaged.